that I was able to listen on an array of radio stations talking about freedom being hollow if the land question isn't addressed. So clearly the question of land will and has to be something that has to be addressed irrespective of the discomfort it might cause. In fact, the land audit recently of the Department of Public Works is a serious blemish and blight on the progress and legacy of 27 years of this democracy insofar as it relates to addressing questions of land. In Feb this year, in fact, we had a conversation with Mr. Peter Sato, the CEO of Vumelana Advisory Fund, and they are responding to the 2021 budget and government's approach to finalise the 1,409 restitution claims at a cost of some 10 billion just under over the next three years to achieve redress and equitable access to land. He now joins us today, but the spotlight is on land reform and freedom. As South Africa warps us into 27 years of democracy celebrations or commemorations, the country continues to grapple with a number of these issues. His reflections come through now. Mr. Peter Seto, good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us again. Good evening to you, Songyeso, and your listeners, and thank you for having me. Land, land, land. It's all about land. Our freedom lies precariously on the balance of how the question of land in this country is attended to. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, land, land reform is an integral part of human rights in this country. And when you talk about land reform, it obviously evokes some emotions uh, across, across the board, particularly amongst black South Africans who've suffered uh, immensely under under apartheid yeah and 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 you know there's a general consensus that uh, the land reform program program has not been as successful as it, as we had hoped and it has not really yielded the expected results over the last 27 years uh, yeah where to now because freedom has been reflected on just yesterday and many of the emotions that came with 1994 and things incidental to 94, possibly slightly before, as we were reaching the settlement of Cordessa, which culminated in the elections of that year, land was always going to be a sticking point. It doesn't just date back to 1913. It dates back to 1652, if not before. How then does South Africa engage or look to engage the pace and the momentum of this land reform particularly when it became an ANC policy to expropriate without compensation. It hasn't kept the momentum that it had, certainly, leading up to the national elections almost this time two years ago. Uh, I, I think maybe as a starting point, one is to you know broadly reflect on what challenges are we really referring to when we are talking about land reform. I think... The, the challenges to land reform are well documented. I mean, the, the, for me, two reports, the one that was done by the former president uh, or deputy president, Motante, that normally referred to as the high-level panel report on assessment of key legislation, and secondly, the presidential advisory panel on land reform on, on, on and agriculture. I think they've detailed quite a number of issues that impact on the acceleration of land reform. And until first time that we begin to address these issues, I don't see us actually moving ahead in expediting uh, you know, land reform. And I can mention just a few. Please. I mean, lack of government uh, capacity and poor coordination amongst yes. government departments that, are, uh, that have been entrusted with uh, you know, pioneering land reform. You know, corruption and elite bias. I mean, every time when you read about land reform, you always read about some stories 
where the, our people got ticket for a ride. People. Absence of appropriate framework legislation that would really absence help. of can you just repeat that please absence of of, of appropriate framework yes that would help to keep policymakers and implementers on track and accountable. You know, it's one thing to present budgets. I mean, the last time I spoke to you it was in February. Uh, uh, when we were talking about the budget, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you just stated that, but it's one thing to talk about that. But if we cannot, if we don't have an appropriate framework to say, dear minister or dear uh, uh, director general, this is what you said to Parliament. How do we really keep you as a policymaker and implement on track and accountable? The, the, the other issue that has been raised uh, sharply is the whole issue around the adequate budget and access to finance. I think the one thing that COVID has taught us is that uh, we cannot really rely on government resources alone to deal with uh, a myriad of challenges that face us as South Africans. Uh, so, so until such time, we address the broader issue of access to finance because government can't go it alone. We need to graduate, ensure that our people graduate from you know, being beggars and relying on handouts from government to up to a point where they can really participate in the formal financial services sector. You know, failure to involve beneficiaries at all stages of pro- project uh, of, of, of project activities. You know, sometimes we take it for granted that we know what our people want. Mm, I mm, think we mm. need to listen. We need we need to listen a little Good bit point. more. In order to understand what is it that our people want, because my my observation is that if, if if you impose your thoughts and what you think is going to work on our people, mm. they simply you, you simply don't get the buy-in, and as a result, that that, that uh, it results in total failure, lack of post-settlement support. I mean, you've been talking about uh, expropriation of. Uh, land without compensation. It's one thing to acquire land, but it's something else to make sure that you can use that land productively. We are aware at this stage that there's an excess of 8 million hectares of land that has been transferred to our people. If anybody's guess as to how much of those land parcels are actually productive. You know. Some people who estimate that a good up to 70 to 80 percent of that land actually remains unproductive and a whole range of people actually lost jobs etc. But I mean for me the question here is not about percentage. It's about acknowledging the fact that land reform has not achieved what it was supposed to do. And we must engage with this process and ensure that we can make it work. And there, there, there are a number of things that we need to do in order to make sure that it can work. Go for it. Let's, t- let's, let's hear these solutions. I mean, you are right when you talk about the fact that we do need political will. Political will can just about sort out all of the other challenges that you have remarked about. If there is a necessary consensus, direction, and a commitment to that direction. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that one. And, of course, the regulatory framework is as muddled as it is. And, of course, if there was a political will to sort that out or a will at an administrative level to sort that out, that would indeed be the case. But we can lament the issues until the cows come home. Let's talk about some of the solutions, which in many respects the problems are generally accepted to be um, what they are. Many South Africans wouldn't differ as to what the problems are, but the question of solutions might be where really you'll be testing South Africans and their thoughts on the land question. I, I think that there are a number of things that we, that, 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 solutions and things that we need to put, 
put in place. But but I mean, as a starting point, and I think COVID has really taught us some good lessons that through social compact, I mean, during COVID, uh, with the with COVID and subsequent lockdown, we've seen government and the private sector working much more closer and collaborating, including civil society. You know, all parties, you know, rallied together to address the scares of COVID-19. So for me, as a starting point, a collaborative effort involving all key stakeholders is required if we are to make any meaningful progress and impact. And here I'm talking about government, business, NGOs, and all must join hands, and we must agree on what is it that we want to achieve, and we must agree how we are going to really, um, you know, evaluate our actions. So that, for me, is the first thing. Uh, we we need to also balance the manner in which land is, is acquired and used. And, and we've mentioned the, the whole debate around expropriation of land without compensation. However, the important question of once land is acquired and, and transferred means largely ignored. In my view, this requires urgent attention if we are to meaningfully improve the lives of our, of ordinary South Africans. We are mindful of the fact that there's a huge demand on the government fiscals. However, you know, partnering with the private sector is the most ex- expedient way through which we can address this. And as Bumelana, we have piloted this over, over a number of times over the last five years. And through our efforts, Limited with limited, uh, you know, uh, resources, we've managed to facilitate in excess of 20 billion. I mean, 20 uh, partnerships, putting into productive use in excess just around 70,000 hectares, with, you know, investments of around 610 million rents. You know, creating in excess just under 3,000 jobs. So these things are doable. It is possible for the private sector and the communities, or rather beneficiaries of land reform to, mm. to, to, to partner. The restitution process, as an example, uh, we, we, for me, two areas really require urgent attention. You recall that... Let me just ask you to hold it there. Sorry, Ndati. Let me ask you to hold it there on the two points under the restitution question because I do anticipate that you'll spend a little more than two minutes, two minutes which I don't have currently. For those at home, what we propose to do is this. Just remember, Ndati Sado, you're going to speak about restitution and the two segments within restitution after the ad break. But before I come to you on restitution, perhaps some of the callers might come through before that and I'm imploring them to do so. Johannesburg 714-2006. First caller from Uppington is Aisha. Immediately after Aisha will take, if there is another caller, that caller and then we come back to you in Dadesito. For now let's take an ad break. 2051. Here, there and everywhere. SAFM 105.3 FM in Uppington. On SAFM. Staying in Uppington, Aisha, good evening. Hello. Indeed. Songeza? Yes, Mama. And good evening to your guests. I'd just like to draw your attention to something which, which I find very concerning uh, about the land. The government has the intention of them owning it and them, and then them leasing it. Now, while they've been busy with this, they have 
they can fix farmers from the farms that that the farmers leased and were supposed to buy. So there's no way that they can be trusted to own the land. The land must go back to the various peoples with the title deed. Huh? Interesting. Can you hear me? I can, I can. That is a though you heard that? Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Your response? Now when we come to land reform and restitution, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about restitution in a short while. You're talking about that lot. We're talking about restitution uh, in a short and, while. And, 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 and he's talking about private investment. Now, let me tell you, I've been struggling with the Department of Land Reform and Rural Development for the past 20 years. Yeah? Everything that they do is absolutely wrong. And then they appoint people to get through what they want done and not, not in the community's interest. Case in point, two days ago, they sent some white dude to the Kumani fan with a concept plan with, with um, somebody from the department with a concept plan on how they imagine that the Bushman land should be used. And thank goodness that the community stood up and said to them, where do you come on this? This is not what we want. You did not consult us, so leave. Yeah, it does speak to the point. Let me just move on there, Aisha. It does speak to the point that you raised earlier on, that is a door where the persons whose voices and experiences are most important are not being consulted on decisions that affect them the most. Let's go to Mfundo in Durban. He's a first-time caller. We're getting quite a lot of these first-time callers. Testament to the growth of the show, I hope. Good evening, Mfundo. Good evening. How are you, sir? Well, sir, how are you? I need some explanation here. You mm. know, there's this statistic, statistic explanation, is it 87 by 13% against the black majority. Now, let's just look at land from a land value point. Let's take the sentence square. It's got titled, how much is it worth, and how many, in terms of translating the surface area for a square mile to the value of the total land surface, how much is, how, how, how does that picture look like? And then another thing, there's a, a development somewhere in, in Johannesburg, which is supposed to have 150,000 people. Look at the surface area of, of, that, of, of that development. Now, the thing here is that who will actually do the development? There's already an artist in place in which the president has developed. There's high concentration of high density of land, but the institutions that are going to take the financing already know the demographics of the persons and the psychographics, or they don't know the actual name. Now I want to see how do we manage the financial question with the statistical question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. I do admit not to have quite caught the question in its thesis and essence. Perhaps, and I dare say, you might want to respond to the callers, particularly this one whilst it's still fresh, before you go back to restitution in the two segments thereof. Yeah, uh, I didn't quite grasp what the caller was uh, raising, but but what I what, what what one really needs to highlight is the fact that uh, we we need to create a clear distinction between urban uh, land reform and, and and rural the rural part of it. I.e., that there these are two different 
spheres, and we need to find a better way of actually addressing, addressing it. I mean, you can't deal with land reform in the rural space the same way as you would in the urban space. So that, that's the one thing. The other part of what he's raised, I seem to have picked up that he was talking about the percentages of who actually owns what in terms of the land in South Africa. Uh, for me, this is a very big question. Until first time, we know exactly who owns what. I think we'll always be pointing fingers at one another. Government has done some studies which says, which gives a different picture. The industry has uh, also done uh, their own studies which gives a different picture. I know that the banks at some point they also did their own study which somewhat gave a different picture. So the essence of what I'm really raising is based on this whole question of collaborative effort, we need to have we need to work together so that we can all have a product that we can buy in and actually see this is a research that we can all attest to and we are happy with the findings of this research which says the total land that's owned by black South Africans is so much and land that is owned by white South Africans is so much because currently there's a huge contestation around, around that. Do you just want to quickly talk about restitution and two segments or arms within it that you'd made reference to earlier on in the minute and a half that remains? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it very quickly. I was saying uh, 90% of the claims during the first round of the land claims were settled through financial compensation. So so it is highly likely that uh, we, we, we this might be the case when the as and when the new window is, 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 is reopened now. If this process can be speedily and fairly completed, we believe a large portion of restitution claims can be finalized. On the other hand, we have what we would call high-value, large-scale and complex claims that have, some of which have really taken for decades to resolve. Mm. Based on our experience, it is important that we must acquire the skills needed to ensure that these claims are not only dealt with expeditiously, but they are settled in a manner that ensures that we save jobs and we and, and, and we have continued operate, operation of the existing businesses for the benefit of these new landowners. Because what is happening is the minute when our people come on board, those projects actually collapse, people lose jobs, you know. And to, to achieve that, we, we, we really must get experienced transaction advisors to negotiate these viable commercial transactions on large and high value claims. So, so that's, that's the point I was making about restitution claims. And perhaps the last two points that I wanted to... You've got 10 seconds to make both points. The current distribution program, it must be made more transparent to provide clarity to who is eligible and who is not eligible. Post-settlement conditions must be addressed as well and must be improved. Excellent. Ndadisado, thank you so much for your time. Chief Executive of Vumelana Advisory Fund, giving us some context as to the solutions that are possible given his experience and work in land reform and so giving people in the truest sense the experience, feeling and reality of freedom. 27 years on, it's 21 hours now. It's time for Greg Greg Hose to be on.